clinical Up. clinical Up. clinical population population clinical population population clinical population hey everybody my name is john i'm allison i'm kate and i'm trisha and welcome to clinical population introducing music therapists to new bops and new bops to music therapy so today, John and I are joined by two amazing music therapy podcasters. Um, we have Trisha of Music Therapy Chronicles and Kate of Creative Therapy Umbrella. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Thank, Thank you for joining. Yeah. <laughs> of course. So excited. Yes. How have you guys been? What a loaded question. It is. <laughs> <laughs> It's the season of change. I think that's what I said to Trisha yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yes. yes. Yeah. Quite literally. <laughs> yep. Well, isn't so today much. the first day of fall officially? It is. It sure yes. is. Yes. Happy fall. That's my favorite. Happy fall. Yes. National holiday the, at I, my house. Right. <laughs> I know. Really? I broke out the what my boyfriend calls the therapy sweaters today. So. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Had my therapy sweater on during sessions today. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we're really excited about this episode because we get to bring back an artist that we had on, on our first season, Valere. Um, we had her with her song, Much F is for Friendship, um, a couple falls ago. So today we're exploring her new single, Undercover. So let's take a listen to that. Here is Undercover by Valere. No, no. 
So that was Undercover by Valer. What did you guys think? So many things. <laughs> <laughs> My initial thought when I first listened to the song was how relaxing and calming it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and a long time ago, I had a group that was super into lo-fi music. Mm-hmm. And, uh-huh. and this kind of reminded me of that vibe. Mm. Very like ethereal. Mm. Yeah, which I really liked because of the connection to the stars. She has that mm-hmm. in the lyrics, and yeah. I felt that too, Trisha, where it was like very chill and relaxing. And um, but yeah, I really liked how that connected to the lyrics. Oh yeah, and I love that it's called Undercover. And at least on my end, when I was listening to it, the synth rises over her voice, so it's like covering her voice. Mm. I don't know if anybody else okay. realized that, but. I thought that was pretty cool that her voice is lower in the mix. My attention was drawn to like the, the bass in it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Cause I have my bass turned up in my car. And as I was jamming out to this on the way home the other day, um, I just love the way that I don't know about y'all, but I have like, you can feel a song in like parts of your body. And mm-hmm. so the way that this kind of moved in the beginning kind of hit me in the chest and like the heart. And it's when she's, you know, like saying, do you love me? Do you want my heart? Do you want my hand? And then um, the bass drops out for that first chorus and it kind of like mm. caught me in my throat, you know, and it's what she's saying, you know, and I don't know. It seems like a stressful thing to kind of say, like, you know, do you love me? Do you want to be in this relationship? You know, like, tell me what you want. You can't love me undercover. Um, and then the bass drops and kind of gets more uh, supported on the, the end of the song. And there's like a confidence to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you say that, John, because um, so Valer sent us her, the meaning behind the song or the history of her creating it. And uh, these are her words. The beat instrumental of the song came about after having a conversation with some good friends about just making music for the joy of it. I went home feeling encouraged and spent some time just playing around, and it was a cathartic experience. The lyrics came a bit later when I went through a confusing romantic situation and was reflecting on people hiding the way they feel. I was also thinking about how, as creatives, we can hide who we are because of what people might think. So the words are pretty much about entering into that confidence and sense of worth that doesn't tolerate being strung along or playing small because of what others think. 
So she, yeah, she really went in with just like creating the music just for the fun of it. And then the words came later. I really appreciate the bass too, like you were saying, John, with her. um, And then I think secondary, how she brought in the lyrics like that with uh, reading Mm -hmm. that piece of um, as a bass player, I I feel always like very connected to the bass lines. And it's just a really she has this really unique grounding in the bass in it and how it how it kind of changes throughout. And it's this new thing really at the end. And um, it was just felt so beautifully connected to the words. And I was actually really surprised that she wrote them later afterwards and that they, you know, maybe weren't connected, but then were connected so well, they just really blended together really well. That's interesting. Cause I kind of felt like the, um, there are some songs that when I listen to the lyrics, I'm like, this doesn't quite fit with this song. I love the lyrics. I love the song, but they don't quite fit together. What makes you beautiful by one direction just makes me mad because I feel like it needs to be a ballad. (laughs) And every time I listen to it, I just get mad about it. And I didn't get mad about this song, but I did feel like it was, it didn't quite fit, but then I really liked that there was like this play on it being undercover. Um, it was kind of like posing as something else, um, which she talked about in that. So, yeah, I do think it's an interesting point because so actually that where I thought clinically about this was how, you know, we show something different to people than what we really might be feeling inside and how it is mismatched, Mm -hmm. which I think is a really great point in what you're saying about it. Um, but it's hard to explain it, I guess. I think this is a, a great example of how the creative process can unfold so organically. So mm-hmm. you can make something, you can create something and have it just be for fun, not necessarily have an end goal in mind and in mind and then go back to it and add on to it and create an entire piece in itself. On how sometimes, I don't know, as creatives, maybe this is just me, but you, you we create things or uh, to Kate's point, we hold ourselves back because we're afraid of what people will think of our creations. Mm-hmm. So to be able to take something you've done in the past and then apply your current knowledge to it and tie those things together. Um, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I've, yeah, yeah. I've got... Um, some interns and we were talking this week about um, one of them wrote a song and wanted to share it with me and, and learn how to record it. And she was like, but I don't want to play it for you. It's just like really vulnerable. And this is like a piece of me that I'm sharing with everybody. And, um, but yeah, so there, but you can also like paint a picture of what you want to be perceived or, you know, hide, you know, certain aspects or, or whatever. Um, Yeah. Or even I I guess to circle back into what you said, it's like almost the layers of of this came out one at a time. Like for her first, it was just the music. So if your intern just presented the guitar accompaniment or whatever, you know, that might be less vulnerable. And then next time you might add the lyrics. Um, It's also a great example of like peeling the onion of what's lying underneath, because we all know that just using music without words is a great non-verbal expression uh, and like that can sit alone but to add on top of it and be able to share it even more candidly with with people um, 
and trust that they will take your vulnerability and connect with it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely made me think about something I spoke on um, for some students this past week about um, how we use music ourselves, like for our own self-care. And um, I think for me, a big part of that is songwriting and, and eventually going out and sharing that. I'm very guilty of saying it's not good enough and not performing it and just stuffing it away for another day to work on it. But I also talked about like the difference between, you know, going and performing songs and then writing songs that are just for you, just to, like you said, Trisha, like just to peel the onion, like just to get to, I guess, feelings that I don't necessarily want to share with other people, but just kind of like a self-reflective process. Mm. Um, And so kind of having the difference and feeling comfortable with still songwriting and still creating, even if you're not going to go out and share it with other people like that's still valuable. It's still value valid. Yeah. Yeah. I resonate with that a lot, Allison, especially with the, um, I, I'm not a big share of, um, music or different things that I write or different things like that in, um, in public arenas. And, but I do feel like that, um, the intimacy and the relationship that you have with your own creative, um, process and product is still so, so important and so valuable. Um, and it is a really weird thing, like thinking back to internship and and having to, you know, we had to write songs all the time in my internship too and share them. And I remember it being so hard for me to do, <laughs> but like <laughs> now I have like this better balance of knowing like, oh, but it's important. It is important to have some of the things that are just for me and just for writing and, um, such an important thing as a clinician of not losing that and like losing your own relationship with those things for your self care. For sure. I think we can all relate in some form or fashion about maybe sometimes you just get so caught up in work in the day to day that it can be really hard to just sit down and want to create for yourself in whatever form or fashion you create. And, uh, especially writing. I found that to be very difficult. Even uh, before the pandemic, I was finding it hard to work full time and then come home and feel like I have the energy to write. It's hard. Yeah. Mm. I think with me, when I, when I'm working on writing songs and, and writing music, I get caught up in maybe the final product and not so much in the process um, mm. that and y'all you know, were talking about sharing um, your music, and th- that allows other people to to view the process with you and and see that, um, not just you know the final product that we get to see so much. So, yeah, I'm I'm big on the process and product thing. I think it's even even for us, you know, when we're I, I think m- more than most as clinicians, we know the value of the process. Um, but it's, I don't know if it's, you know, if it's something that gets like trained in us with our, with music education of there is so much focus on the product and not the process that it's really easy to fall back <laughs> into mm-hmm. like, oh, I got to get this one lick right. I just can't get it. And like, <laughs> it's so easy to fall back into that and um, to kind of practice what we preach, I guess, what, you know we do a lot in sessions and um, focusing on the process too and how, how beautiful the process is on its own. Yeah. Or I was, as you were speaking, I was just like instantly thought of, you know, 
getting performances ready for juries and that just like it has to be perfect and so now you know I'm trying to work that perfection out of my system when it comes to creativity because I'm like it's not good enough like trash it I'm done (laughs) it's it's a it's it's difficult that's the uh I think tricky part of our um educational process and can be quite a barrier for a lot of people oh yeah But think about if just, say, like a quarter or half of the artists and musicians in the world didn't put their stuff out there because they were afraid Mm -hmm. and how much the world would be missing, like Mm -hmm. how much we would be lacking. Yeah. yeah. And not being able to connect with other people because those connection points didn't exist. Yeah, Mm. so true. I often think too on the other side of the coin, what if like even half of the people who are too afraid just did it anyway, how much Mm. more we would have and you know what that would exponentially do to like, not just individuals, but like the community. Well said. Yeah. 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 So the song, the, I guess, lyrical content of it um, got me thinking about healthy and unhealthy relationships. Um, what were some of the thing, like themes that came up for you as you were listening? Shame, embarrassment, I think were two like big feeling things that came up. Um, for me, it was about authenticity and like being your authentic self um, both in the context of a relationship and, and just to yourself. Yeah. Self-worth. Yeah. 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 And I think another thing that came up for me was um, like setting boundaries and taking back your power. Mm. Yeah. There's some really good stuff in here. Um, And I think it could be really beneficial for a lot of people. I found a lot of um, like counseling content, I feel like, that this song could really easily plug into of mm-hmm. um, all of diff- all these different things that we just mentioned. All those themes are really, really wonderful prompts. Um, I think especially for, I feel like this just resonates with like my young 13 to 16 year old self of like, what are, what are you putting out for people to see and who are you really behind that? Um, whether is it, you know, uh, I think like personally you can, you can analyze it that way or kind of prompt in that way. What do you hide? Um, are, are, do you have things that you secretly love, but you don't tell anybody about like the TV show that you don't want anyone to know that you watch, like kind of, uh, different things like that, that I feel like are really, would just be such wonderful prompts for, you know, teens to dive into of um, shame, embarrassment, authenticity, all those different themes. I think a reoccurring theme throughout the song is also that actions speak louder than words. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can say X, Y, Z, or you can even portray yourself through your words as a completely different person than who you are, just like um, to what you said, Kate, but like your actions, like your authentic self is going to propel you to act the way you authentically want to act. Um, And even she even says, like, if you want to hold me, then tell me. But if you want 
all my colors then show me so like using those actions to bring out the best parts of yourself the best parts of other people uh, and to be authentic with each other through those those actions Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Ooh, the action yeah. words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I think for me, I was really looking at the relational aspect of it just because it's something that's come up a lot in my uh, adult mental health groups. And, you know, we're just talking about codependency and, um, and just what does it mean to be in and a healthy relationship, you know, exploring the different types of attachments. Um, so this is definitely one that I, I think I'm going to bring in and do some lyric analysis on just because I think there's just so much good stuff in here um, that's relatable and then that we could, you know, take apart and fill in for ourselves of like, what is this? Have you had this experience? What um, and, you know, what was it like and what have your relationships been like? Or have you not had this experience? You know, what have your past relationships been like? Hmm. To to that point, she also says, um, don't want to sing the same songs and like a metaphor, obviously, for having the same relationships or different relationships play out in the same dialogue. Uh, but also that's just a great like literal if you have like your breakup playlist and you're literally just playing those songs over and over and over, you're going to stay stuck in that point. And I think clinically that could be a great conversation starter, but also mm. um, playlist prompt. So like, okay, so we're going to create playlists where we can move ourselves in or out of different experiences we're having or the zones of regulation or, um, and also just talking about, the importance of changing those up because if you're listening to the same songs if you're playing out the same narrative in your life um, you're not really growing and evolving and you're not learning from the things you're experiencing yeah Yeah. definitely definitely to piggyback off that trisha i think that's such a good point that uh, like reminds me of trauma-informed care as well mm. of thinking about if uh, if somebody is stuck, whether it is like um, a codependency relationship with other or if it's a relationship with self as well of being authentic to yourself, mm-hmm. um, of exploring um you know, is there, is there trauma with feeling safety? Do you not feel safe in relationships? Is it, you know, is it, uh, does it feel better to know what's coming around the corner all the time and be in that safe space rather than Mm -hmm. branching out and growing? And where does that kind of, um, uh, arrested development for lack of a better word really happen and why does it happen it gives you a lot of the song would give a lot of, um, openings to explore that, uh, if a client was in the space to explore it. Mm. Yeah. And also something I was thinking of when you were speaking, Trisha, was um, we talk a lot about um, the songs that we use when we're in certain uh, moods. And one client brought up the fact that she has found herself, you know, really sitting in um, her quote unquote negative music a lot and wanting to feel like she, she, she wants to feel moved out of that place. Like she feels like she's just stuck in this rut. And so we talk a lot about how music can be really negative if we're not aware of the, um, the power of using this tool. 
And so we talk about a lot of the um, difference between like having healthy music playlists and then maybe your some of the playlists you have for certain moods are unhealthy. And so what does this look like and how can we kind of stop playing the same old song to use her line and, um, and, and find something that we relate to maybe in a more healthier tone. So um, it's definitely that something that I bring up and people aren't always aware that like music can be used in a negative way and, and it's okay. We just have to be aware of its power. I think that also, and maybe this is just my background and training, but uh, as music therapists, we can rely so much on the live music and the importance of not creating and using playlists as, you know, mm-hmm. like music and memory or a similar program. Like, why are we different? What sets us apart? But to use this as a prompt, right, and create those playlists and then work with the client to create their own tool of how to bring themselves out of that rut is in some instances way more beneficial than just doing the live music with them that day because that's something they can take with them and mm. use you know from from any point like if you have five different playlists wherever you are and wherever you want to get wherever that baseline is you can find your way there because they can take that tool with them uh, into their daily life yeah. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, I said that the, the song really spoke to me about authenticity. And so um, similarly, I'd, I'd want to open up conversation about, um, you know, what makes you authentic? What um, might you be holding back, you know, from people? And um, is it something that you need to let go or something that we need to embrace? And um but I didn't pick up on the action words, um, Trisha, but I did feel like there was a, a call to action in the song. And so um, I don't know, finding some motion movement to put to the song um, that that is an implementation of action. Um, just something small that you could um, do while, while listening to the song um, to kind of reinforce that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So back when you first opened this up after the the recording was played uh, and I I said it was relaxing. And so when I was listening to it, I was like, wow, like this is chill, but I'm not sure I would not that I wouldn't use it as a receptive piece, but I feel like it it could be very good as lyric analysis, like we've said. But I was like, what would I do with this song to use its relaxing quality? And I was like, oh, this would be a great multimodal transfer yeah. piece where like mm-hmm. we're doing it to art or if you have clay or whatever, where it's kind of in the background and maybe subconsciously you're picking up about like, again, self-worth, authenticity, expressing yourself, having the confidence to do that and that coming through, through whatever mode, whatever medium you're using uh, with this playing in the background. Right. That's and that nice. line of, and if you want me in all my colors, that's what really yes. kind of prompted that. Yeah. Uh, and so like, I want to see you create something of you in all your colors. That's you know, exactly. create something. I felt the same way of like there with the colors of like, it. it's so artistic and like visual maybe is a better mm-hmm. word, not artistic, but like mm-hmm. visual, it felt like um, with the colors. And then I also felt like this would be such a good, like a, uh, um, 
and, you know, adding art to it, whether it's like, like you said, Trisha, like while you're doing it, if you're doing something with, you know, what are your colors that are hidden and what are your colors look like in front of everybody else? Are they different? Are they the same? Um, or if you paint over them or something, I'm thinking paint, but like if you started with one of like, are your hidden colors the basis? And then you paint over them with what people see. And, um, but I also thought something that would be really cool with this was another kind of art thing of having like a box that is, you know, what is inside the box that is, you know, um, not, you know, things maybe you're shameful of or that holds you back from being your authentic you and, you know, writing those down or drawing them out and putting them in a safe place and not feeling forced to obviously have to share them. But that art based medium, I think, spoke to me so much, too, throughout this. It just felt felt really visual for some reason. Mm. It could be a cool that. piece to tie all together with like lyric analysis and the art where yeah. they have the lyrics in front of them and it's like, you know, color on words that stick out to you or black outlines that don't make sense or that make you angry. Maybe not is the perfect word, but like make you feel an emotion and turn the lyrics literally into the art piece where at the end mm. they they have like highlighted the pipe, the uh, the parts that um, stuck out to them and kind of like subconsciously how the colors play and then when you look at the art piece in its entirety what is the most meaningful to to them and how they mm. interacted with that piece yeah yeah that's one of my favorite things to do and um it's so you have and I actually have a one that I did hanging on my fridge but you you can actually just ask them to draw the picture around the words that they have left um either open or that they've colored. And so it, like you said, Trisha, it just becomes this art piece with the words that are meaningful to them on it. And it's really, it's a fun activity. Mm. Yeah. I think too, like you said, John, with the movement in this, it would be, I mean, you, you could go with all of it really. <laughs> like if you're <laughs> listening to it and doing the art and then afterwards, I feel like it had, it does really have like a big, uh, it makes me feel like I want to move, even though the, I think I actually liked that the transition, the beginning felt a little bit more receptive. But by the end, it was like, OK, I want to get up now that like that would be a really cool way to somatically experience it afterwards is putting movement to it and listening to it again or just, you know, kind of uh, additionally putting the music or the movement to it afterwards. I think we kind of touched on it every time we've talked about authenticity, but it could also be a great, um, I guess, lyric substitution where you you say like, OK, so how would you take this and sing it to yourself? Mm-hmm. You know, which parts? Oh, yeah. Which parts would you need to change to make it feel authentic to what you need to hear and which parts are exactly what you need to hear already? Um, and, and loving yourself and, you know, that ties into the self-worth and the authenticity and, um, how you interact with other people, right. Is subconsciously how you interact with yourself. So to be able to be authentic with yourself and have your actions align with your words and what you desire in life, uh, is important. And it's, it's not something that we as humans do easily because of Mm -hmm. like, you know, judgment and <laughs> things like that so yeah to, to turn the turn the song into a song for oneself um yeah. to for empowerment and 
like almost some of the lyrics could easily turn into mantras when mm. when they're specifically yeah. written for you. Yeah, that's such an interesting perspective. And there's, you know, in the chorus, it's really almost like asking for what you want. And so that could be a really neat way to like, what do I want? What do I need from myself? I love that. Yeah. And to build off that, this is something I actually wrote down that it made me think of. And it's along the same vein as it's like the, um, like the magic wand question, like it's a yes. solution focused therapy thing. Uh-huh, yeah. The miracle question. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Of like, if you didn't care what people thought of you, what would that look like? Like what imagining that space, you know, of like, oh. what is, what would the environment or what would it need to look like for you to be authentic and how, mm. you know, Im- let's imagine that, or let's pretend to be in that space. And, um, I think there's so much that that could open up, uh, like you said, Trisha, going off of that, um, bringing it back to you and what you need out of it. I love that. And incorporating solution focus, because that's one of my favorite yeah, things. Yeah, <laughs> I love that question. <laughs> Me too. Miracle question. <laughs> so good. <Right? laughs> Amazing. Yep. One thing I think about the music that I just really appreciated was um, and I I think it felt like more integrated by the end of where the music started. It kind of felt like it was like a triangle that was, you know, the baseline was kind of in one place. And then there was like this ethereal, you know, kind of vibe, uh, you know, and then it all kind of like came together kind of all blended together I think a little bit more by the end and then drops out and comes back but I really liked the juxtaposition of those two things and how that relates to authenticity of like how far away you can feel and how long that journey can take to get to your authentic self or accepting that or finding the environment and um, I like the whole connection of that with the music and the lyrics of how that all came together. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because, you know, just thinking back on how she described her process of like, it took time and, you know, yeah. like you said, finding our authentic self is going to take time. So everything is a process. And I think it's interesting to think about, how the music developed itself and then she had an experience that made her really want to reflect on herself and the way that this relationship made her feel and what she needs from the relationship and from herself. So yeah, that's an interesting perspective. Well, thank you, Valer, for letting us um, talk about your song today and listen. Um, if you would like to follow Valer and find more of her music, um, she is at Valer, V-A-L-E-R-E Music, Valer Music um, on Instagram, and um, is also on Spotify. Um, and she's got a new album coming out called Colors that is um, dropping on October 1st and will be available on all platforms. So check it out. Um, and she's also told us that she's got some um, promotional shows um, to promote this album coming up. So you can follow her on social media to find out more information on that. 
Um, well, thank you so much, Trisha and Kate, for joining us. Um, where can people find you, find your podcast so they can go listen to your amazing material? Thanks for having us. Um, you can find me at Creative Therapy Umbrella on Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, my website's creativetherapyumbrella.com and my podcast is Creative Therapy Umbrella. It's on most platforms, so <laughs> easy to find. <laughs> yeah, same for me. Thank you so much for inviting us on. It, it's nice to do something kind of familiar, but outside <laughs> outside my comfort zone. So thank you. Uh, You're welcome. I run the Music Therapy Chronicles and Music Therapy Chronicles wherever you want to find us. So uh, yeah, podcast platforms, internet, social media, all that good stuff. Yes. Well, thank awesome. you all so much for being on with us today. Um, if y'all would like to um, find out more about clinical populations, you can check out um, us on the social medias. Please follow us. Um, we also have a Patreon with some really awesome perks, um, some new bop swag in the shop. So y'all go check all of that out um, at clinicalpopulations.patreon.com. And I think that's going to wrap it up for today. So we will end with listening to Undercover by Valer. Bye. Bye. Do you know if your mind's made up yet? Do you want my heart? Do you want my hand? Let me know. Stay.
shine above us. You can love me. 